What do you wish you knew on your first flight that you know now? I wish that I knew more of the safety stops. Hmm. Like, not that anything went wrong, but that was a constant fear during that whole first flight of like, if something goes wrong right now, I know I can hit cancel, mm -hmm. but like, what other safety setups have mm. I done? And like, I'd gone through a little bit, like, oh, okay, this, don't go beyond this, don't go beyond that. But I didn't, I didn't do much. What are some of the safety settings that help you the most now? I'll tell you one of mine. Okay. One of mine is max distance. Um, and that depends, a max height and max distance. So let's say I'm in an area where I know clearance-wise and law-wise, I'm in some kind of controlled airspace where I can't just fly 400 feet. So if I have max, the max height set, I know I'm not gonna go over that, exceed that, and do something illegal on accident. Um, that's more of a following the laws and following the rules types of thing that reduces my anxiety when I'm flying. But max distance, for example, um, I might be sending my drone far, far, far over the ocean mm -hmm. to look for something in the ocean. My example of that was when I was in the Maldives um, and I was flying extremely far distances looking for manta rays, but I don't want to send it too, too far because I know that at some point, like, I don't know, I might not have enough battery to come back. I might mess with someone else who's flying next to me and because our interference with each other, it might go black or something. So those are like a couple of them. Obviously updating my home point, especially mm -hmm. if I'm moving from point A to point B is a really big one for me. Um, so those are a couple of the safety settings that I think about. What about you? Uh, setting the home point, that one's key. I mm -hmm. didn't do that for the first like eight or nine months. Mm. I was just walking and then I'd be like, oh, shoot, where am I? And I'd have to like find mm -hmm. myself instead of just setting the home point and having it like show me on the map. I was yep. like, let me just find myself. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually, for those who are listening, if you're not familiar with setting the home point, there's three ways you can set the home point. You can set the home point to wherever your drone is at, right? Wherever it's flying at, you can make that the home point. Or you can update it to where this is the normal one where your controller is at, where you are at, so you can set it to the controller. And that's what most people are doing. So let's say Candace and I have hiked, you know, 300 feet in different direction. We can update the home point to where we are now with our controllers. And the last way is just like Google Maps, you can drop a pin. Mm -hmm. And this is a really great one. For example, if you're kayaking in an area and for some reason you're running out of batteries, you might set that home point as somewhere on the land or somewhere on a nearby dock, mm. hopefully not a private dock, um, so that in case something goes wrong, your drone will not land in the water or where you used to be on a kayak. Um, so that's how home point works. Okay, so updating the home point, what updating else? Updating the home point. Um, I think having the max distance would be great too, especially like in Tacoma, because I learned mostly like flying in the city. Mm. Like I went to swim to that like park um, which was great, super fun first flight. But other than that, I was learning in the city mm. and there's a lot of building interference. And so setting my max distance to not be very far. So like I wouldn't like wander off too much and then be like, yeah. oh shoot, like building got in the way. Uh oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all those pesky buildings getting in the way. <laughs> it's like interference. Like all of a sudden you're, you're like, your oh, yeah. controller's like, ah. Yeah. Not connected. Okay, all right. 
Welcome to the Drone Party. This is a weekly podcast highlighting drone pilots that I meet, I fly with around the world, and it's really here to help you become a better pilot or inspire you to go out and get a drone. We talk a ton of helpful tips on this podcast as we improve our own drone game. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Christine Lozada. I love flying drones. I want everybody to get into it. Everybody's welcome to the drone party. I'm super excited about today's guest. It's somebody that, if you're watching today's episode, uh, is filmed from a bus because she and I have been living on a bus and flying a ton of drones. Let's bring her in. I'm Candice. I'm chasing period Candice on all social media platforms. Um, I've been a wilderness guide and a tour guide for 15 years. Uh, backpacking, solo, coupled, friend trips, etc. She lives um, in a van, she flies a drone, and she also is a fire photographer. Uh, so make sure you check out her work. All of that info will be in the show notes below. When did you start flying? It was a year and a half ago. Oh yeah. Almost. What was the first drone you flew? The Air 2. The Air 2? Yeah, the one I have. That's still the drone you're flying right now. Mm -hmm. Your only drone. Yep. Oh yeah. And take us back to your first drone flight. Where were you? And what was it like? I was in Squim and it was right along this um, cliffside. She just said Squim, by the way, <laughs> in case you didn't catch that. Who's, Where is Squim located? Squim, Washington. Uh, it's like, it's on the Olympic Peninsula, right? And so like from Squim, you can actually see like, um, like the San Juan Islands and everything. Oh, then it was a beautiful first drone flight. Mm -hmm. ah. And it's like Victoria, Canada is right across the water. Mm. You see all the cruise ships heading to Alaska up that current. Wow, right so up. you actually went to a scenic spot for your first flight. Yeah, um, I had just gotten it and I already had a camp trip set up mm -hmm. for that weekend. And so I just went with oh, it. Yeah. And my friend that was with me was a drone pilot. And so mm. he was like, just do it. And I was like, all right, here so we go. you had someone <laughs> helping you. Was he there like guiding you or he no, just was present? He was just there. Mm, what a jerk. <laughs> and how are you feeling during that first flight? Oh my gosh, I was so sweaty. Just nervous, you know, like... It's on a cliffside, so there's a little bit of like wind coming up. Mm -hmm. Can't totally see where you're at. You also launch from like 200, 300 feet up. Oh, up, yeah. And so then you could go down low, and so you're, mm. yeah, it's a whole different. Yeah, and for those who are newer to drones or don't know this, in Candace's case, when you are 200 to 300 feet up and you send your drone, your drone reads it as zero. That's zero feet, which means you can technically fly down the cliff which means your drone will read that as negative 10 feet, negative 100 feet, and you're probably still fine, but it doesn't know where the ground is at, right. which for a lot of people can be very upsetting or however you want to feel in that moment. Okay, so you were feeling a little bit nervous. How long did it take you? How many flights did it take you until you started feeling confident? Um, it ended up being about a month of flying every other day is what I was averaging at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a decent number of flights. Mm -hmm. But as I got like more comfortable in like depth, that, that was probably my biggest hurdle. Mm. Like knowing where I am in relation to mm -hmm. things because it looks so different on the screen. Yeah, which I think is interesting because a lot of people have this desire to feel a ton of control of exactly where they're at, which is a normal feeling but they're constantly like staring at the drone, staring at the controller and afraid they're gonna hit something. 
and they feel like they need to know these answers from day one mm -hmm. versus think, oh, actually, you and I recently had a moment in which I had to learn how to parallel park a 38-foot bus, which is nothing like parallel parking my normal car, which is a Mini Cooper, which is what, how many feet is that? Like three? <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those things where it's like, I'm constantly checking, it feels out of, it feels uncomfortable for me, um, but it's just, it's a different thing. It's a bus, right? This is a drone. People mm -hmm. get behind the controller of a drone, like they get behind the wheel of a car and they feel like they should know everything because they've been driving for so long and a drone is a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of The Drone Party. I have to interrupt to say, don't forget, find Candace and tons more info in the show notes below. I have a lot of free drone res resources in there for you, so make sure you check it out. All right, let's get back to it. Where is your most favorite place you've ever flown a drone? Alaska. Why? It's so beautiful. Like, you just can't go wrong up there. Actually, important question. Do you wear gloves while you're flying? No. I guess I'm also, uh, if you're watching today's podcast, this is available to, uh, to listen to on every podcast platform, but if you're watching it on YouTube or on Spotify, we are currently living in a bus, and I'm freezing all the time, and you're, like, walking around in shorts, <laughs> flip-flops. I'm, like, in my ski jacket. <laughs> So you don't wear gloves when you're flying in Alaska? Mm -mm. Okay. If it was cold, sure, but I haven't ever been cold while flying yet in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I run hot. That's amazing. Mm. I, don't, I think it's very difficult to fly with gloves on. I fly a lot um, in Utah, and it's very difficult to wear big, thick gloves. Okay, tell me, tell me about a beautiful flight you had in Alaska. There was one where um, it's in Juneau or just outside of Juneau. And as you turn this bend, it's all trees and whatnot. And then you have the water that you're going up the fjord. And as you turn the bend, there's the Juneau airport. And you can't get very far, obviously, because like the airport. Um, but you see the planes taking off. And right next to it is the Mendenhall Glacier peeking through mm. the valley. And that's so pretty, especially around dusk. Ooh. It lights up bright, bright pink. Um, and that's... What? Mm -hmm. That's cool. Like the whole glacier will be like shimmery pink. Okay, I'm trying to picture that and I am literally picturing nothing right now. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Okay, Alaska. Currently now on my list of places to fly and freeze to death. Yeah, get neoprene gloves, like the thinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are better. Scary flights. What was your scariest flight? Um, recently... When I was at the lake, um, everything, everything in that flight was going so well. It was a first day of like calm, no wind. And then out of nowhere, it's like 30% battery. The hold gust on. of wind comes hold on, through. Hold on. Out of nowhere, it was 30% battery or it was no. at 30% battery, but you were engrossed in what you were doing. It was 30% battery. I was engrossed for sure. <laughs> but that's whenever the wind picked up was like at the 30% because I was like, okay, mm. time to start thinking about bringing it back. Mm -hmm. And then the gust of wind comes through. And mm. then all of a sudden I'm like dropping to like 18%, 14%, mm. like within a minute or two. And it was like trying to land and um, ended up crashing into my face. <laughs> Like sliced up my hands okay. real bad. It was bring, awful. Bring us through the play-by-play because I already know this likely happened in slow motion for you, as most 
uh, or, or maybe you blacked out and it all just happened and you woke up bloody. Uh, walk <laughs> us through what happened. So you were at 30%, gusts of wind bring the battery level down. Mm -hmm. And like, what were you on? Were you in a boat? No. You were on the land? No. <laughs> I was Swimming? So, no. So <laughs> at that point, our family had been like taking everything down. There's all these like um, rafts, right? Mm -hmm. Like the inner tube ones. But all of them were already taken down, so I was in a blow-up cooler. <laughs> all right. I, I, I feel like that's your first problem, even before the drone aspect comes in. Okay, so let, let's just all picture this together. Candace is in a blow-up cooler. She's on a lake. Is yeah. this near Squim? <laughs> no, near Aberdeen, where my Kurt Cobain is from, from Nirvana. I just wanted to say the word swim, if I'm honest right now. Okay, so you're on this lake in a cooler. Yes. Gust of wind. Yes. And so talk me through how you're trying to bring your drone down. Okay, so normally I catch right-handed right because right mm -hmm. I'm right-hand dominant. And for those who are not watching, she does the proper thing you're supposed to do when you catch, which is you catch above your head. Mm -hmm. Too many people catch in front of their face which is like asking for a really nice manicure of your eyebrows if something goes wrong. So catching above your head is key. So you're about to catch over your so head. So I'm about, about to catch, mm -hmm. right? And then this gust of wind comes through and my drone tries to autocorrect. And we talked about this mm. before. I hadn't calibrated my drone in a little bit of time. And so I think that's part mm. of why it autocorrected so intensely. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so as it autocorrects, it comes into my hand slices through my index finger about halfway down the nail and like wow. blood goes everywhere i'm like dripping blood down my arm there's blood all over like it's splattered a little bit and so like there's blood on my controller and my lap and everything and so the drone keeps going i like bring back my hand real quick right and then i'm like okay how am i going to do this next and so i go to try and catch with my left hand this time <laughs> And I'm like a little bit further away, right? I'm like, okay, if I do this and I'm way, like bring my hand as far away from my body as possible, mm -hmm. but still up above, same thing happened where like it auto-corrected, but it auto-corrected and it came and like got me in the, like in my forehead, on my eyebrow. And I feel it like me. your drone is possessed at this point and just out to get you. It was out of control. And so like it hit me on multiple parts, like all around my eye and I like, don't know how it happened because I got really lucky. I got like two cuts above the eye and two right below, but nothing on, like I got so lucky. But I also like, as it came down and hit me in the face, I grabbed it with my left hand and like pulled it away. And so it's still like trying to fly. You didn't grab it I'm with like, your teeth oh. at this point? I mean, I might as well have, oh my goodness. The way, I'm like, so of course your face bleeds like quite a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I'm just like bloody all over my face. It's dripping everywhere. I got the drone finally. I'm like trying to paddle back with a stupid plastic oar and nobody is at camp and I'm like yelling, somebody, somebody. No, nobody witnessed this? Nobody witnessed it. Oh. And I'm kind of bummed because I wish somebody would have because um, it, maybe a stranger did, I don't know, at the campground. <laughs> but anyway, Janelle, our, um, our neighbor comes walking up and mm -hmm. she used to be a nurse and so I'm like, hey, can you, I'm like yelling as I'm paddling in. Hey, in the van, my first aid kit is right here, blah, blah, blah. She goes to grab it. She comes walking up to the edge of the lake with it. She's incredibly clumsy, drops the whole first aid kit into the <laughs> lake. 
as I'm like coming up. So I'm like paddling as fast as I can. I get to the first aid kit. I'm trying to like peel it out of the lake with my not bloody hand while also like keeping my drone safe from all of this. And like, I put it inside of a plastic bag because I brought a plastic bag out there and like a waterproof one. So as soon as I got it, mm -hmm. I like sealed it up so no water could damage it. Mm -hmm. And no more blood could get on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I made it back to shore, got the first aid kit, my neighbor was not helpful at all in like the cleanup of anything. I was like, um, can you help? And she was like very flustered by all of this. Um, it sounds like you made it out okay. Yeah, I did. Were there, your drone was okay. Mm -hmm, no problem. Were there drinks in the cooler and were those okay? <laughs> there were no drinks in the cooler. Lame. But I wish, I wish, because I was driving later that day, so I didn't. Okay, um, this is a hell of a story. I have, I have three helpful tips that will go along with your story. <laughs> Do you know what they are? I have a clue. No. Okay. I, I think we'll battery start calibrate. With, let's just, okay, maybe now I have four. <laughs> let's let's start with the one. Um, actually, yeah, let's actually let's start with that, with the battery. So bringing it down in 30% battery when you're on a floating something, including a floating cooler, in my opinion, is really aggressive. Like mm -hmm. even now when I'm flying off of boats, I will bring it, I will bring it down so early. Like it's to the point where it's like, like you're at a bar and they're like, last call. And you look at your watch and you're like, it's 11.45 PM. Or don't you like close it too? And they're like, yeah, last call, right? Kind of like when we were at dinner the other night, they're like, oh, are you done? We're not closing anytime soon, but are you done? Like we're closing. Um, I bring it down with a lot of battery, sometimes mm -hmm. even 40%. Okay. And so normally what I do when I'm flying in situations like this is my first shots, as soon as I launch, will be the furthest away from me. I will send my drone out and get a lot of shots so that when it's time to be very, very close to me for landing, I can, all right, if I'm feeling good about being able to land it where I'm at, because sometimes it's like all of a sudden there's rogue waves and you got to wait for a minute to calm down or there's gusting wind and you got to mm -hmm. wait for that to calm down or... There's just too many people swimming by or coming by who are very curious and you just want to wait for them to like leave before you land. But once I have it close, then I can get all the shots that are near me mm -hmm. and not feel like I've wasted a, a good chunk of my battery. Yeah. Um, and so I'll do it that way. The second, so landing with a, or coming back with a crap load of batteries, number one. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, especially with gusty winds, it's hard because my guess actually, was the wind coming from all directions that day or was yeah, it, it was kind of all with yeah. around everywhere? So this is a tough one because when you have gusty winds that are like that, it's hard to predict how you should catch it. Mm -hmm. But if on a windy day and you have a consistent wind, you want to catch your drone downwind. In other words, make sure you're not spitting into the wind or catching your drone into the wind where it will push it back into your face, your hand or whatever. So catching it downwind. Do you have any guesses on the last one? Mm, the calibration one. No, put yeah. drinks in your cooler. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. It is a calibration <laughs> one. So we actually talked about this recently because um, normally, like the first, I would honestly say year I flew my drone, I wouldn't calibrate it unless it made me. Mm. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, I ain't going to eat vegetables unless my mom tells me I have to. And even then, <laughs> I barely do. Just kidding. Um, but I would only calibrate it when it was like, we're, we're not flying today until you calibrate it. Mm -hmm. But now, especially like 
especially after I've been off of an airplane or a long flight or the drone has been on this bus bumping along the road for a long time, I'll calibrate it before I go out to fly because then things like the auto adjust aren't so bad. Um, but wow, I'm really glad you were okay because the Air 2, if you are somebody who flies the Mavic Mini, those propellers feel um, like the plastic toy that that drone is in comparison to the Air or the Pro drones, which have a much beefier build and uh, much sharper um, propellers. So, whew. yeah, I got really lucky. Have you, did you immediately start hand catching your drone again after that? Or did you, or were you afraid? I still hand caught it yes. afterwards. I, love I just that. had a Band-Aid. <laughs> Well, I'll be fine. <laughs> do, you, do you keep a first aid kit inside your drone case now? I'm just kidding. Oh, I should. <laughs> but I love hearing that because too often drone pilots have an incident like yours and either are too afraid, too afraid to fly again or refuse to hand catch their drone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just learning the things that you can do to prevent those moments um, and then making sure you put more drinks in your cooler for next time. Yeah, that would have made things a lot better. Um, yeah. Oh, it's too funny. Um, tell me, what's the main way you use your drone? I love just scenery, beautiful scenery. Mm -hmm. And like Alaska nature on hikes, I use it a lot if I can. Um, downtown areas where I can show the history of an area or highlight specific locations mm -hmm. and I'll do that um, oh, but a yeah. lot of like cityscapes and landscapes yeah I dig it all right drone party round you ready okay random set of questions that I am just gonna think of off the top of my head right now that probably are not helpful for anybody your drone is a boy or a girl girl and what's her name oh dirty bird that's right we had a whole <laughs> contest about this recently <laughs> We did, yeah. Dirty bird. Dirty bird. Which kind of dirty is your drone? She's naughty. Oh, she's naughty dirty. Oh, <laughs> mine's just straight up dirty because I, um, I don't care for it very well and keep it clean, when, especially when I'm at the beach. There's like sand in my drone and stuff, mm -hmm. which is not something I recommend, especially when it gets into the battery compartment. All right, dirty bird. Uh, dirty bird walks into a bar. Drink of choice is? Tequila. Tequila. Yeah, she's a bold, bold bird. She's bold. Straight or mixed? <laughs> uh, straight. Why not? Shots. All right. She's all about it. Oh, by the way, Dirty Bird was creeping on my drone the other day. <laughs> yeah. I got a few shots of my drone. Um, and actually, stay tuned because in a future episode, you'll hear some tips about flying together with somebody. Because I definitely had moments. We were flying in a city in a pretty, like, I don't call it a confined space, but rather what was interesting to capture was pretty confined like yeah. there weren't a lot of pretty things where we we're at so I knew that you and I would both be getting the same shots in the same kind of angles and areas mm -hmm. and so I'll have a ton of tips on how to fly with people and also because if you haven't there's a lot of interference that happens um dirty bird has she left the country yet she's not oh yeah uh Canada oh Canada yeah, yeah. that counts yeah that counts <laughs> Um, oh, Canada's kind of a hard one to fly in. I was driving through. It was whenever I like went up to get the bus or get the van. Mm -hmm. uh, no, that was different. No, it was. Um, I did a season during the pandemic, and I had to drive up through Canada. Oh um, yeah, 
Yeah. So I didn't get to stop a whole lot and fly anywhere. Mm -hmm. I did a couple spots on the Alcan, but like that whole area, because there's so many oil fields, there's it's called the Green Vale. So as you're driving across mm -hmm. the Alaska Highway, you see green, but like 15 feet back, it's oil fields mm. and like refineries and stuff. And so mm. it's really protected. So you can look up the DJI oh, app yeah, and it'll yeah. be like restricted mm. everywhere. Interesting. And mm -hmm. drone rules are changing all the time, but you might not know this. Mm -hmm. Canada is one of the hardest countries, not the hardest, but a hard country to fly in. Mm. Because unless you're flying a toy drone, i.e. the Mavic Mini, they actually require extensive pilot's license, the kind where you're actually on the radio with other pilots while flying oh. a drone out there. Um, so just one thing to keep your eye out for in case you're interested in flying out there. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, see you in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that wraps another episode of the Drone Party Podcast. Make sure you check all the show notes below. Tons more helpful resources and tips in there for you. And please, if you found some value in this, please share it with someone and please leave a positive review. It really does help to distribute this to more people. I'm Christine Lozada, and we will see you in next week's episode. Ciao.